Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, here we go. The book of Galatians, the epistle of Paul, the apostle to the Galatians. Here we go. Here it says this, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. (laughs) What a way to start. You know, Paul typically says in his letters, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, but here he is more emphatic than in any other of his epistles. He says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. He's saying, listen, I don't know anybody anything. I didn't pay to become an apostle. Uh, Nobody has influence over me. I did not become an apostle by people or through people. I became an apostle directly from Jesus Christ. Well, he's right. On the road to Damascus, Jesus confronted him. And of course, Jesus sent Ananias, a disciple, to prophesy to Paul, to tell him what things he must suffer for the name of the Lord. And so Jesus himself confronted, excuse me, called and separated the Apostle Paul. And so Paul is just letting the Galatians know up front, as he does with other letters to other cities, he says, look, I'm writing to you. This is really a letter from Jesus Christ, and I am his apostle to write these things to you. He has confidence in his calling, and I think it's important. I don't think we need to go around saying I'm an apostle or I'm an evangelist or a prophet or whatever, but we need to know who we are and have the confidence to speak with the authority and with the boldness that God has given us, whatever that is. Uh, We read in the book of Romans that we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. But we should think soberly. We should think based on what gifts we have given. And certainly Paul has confidence in the grace of God that's on his life. So he goes on in verse 2, And all the brethren who are with me, in other words, yes, I'm writing this, but also the brethren who are with me, we're writing this to you. Sometimes we only mention the Apostle Paul, but in various of his epistles or his letters, He'll say Paul and Sosthenes or Paul and Timothy. And so he'll include here, he says, and the brethren who are with me. So he'll include others as also having part. And maybe they're interjecting some thoughts and he'll say, yeah, that's good. And he'll write that or he'll dictate that. And so we don't exactly know how much input these other people had. Uh, So we attribute it to Paul. And of course, the whole book here starts off with Paul. Paul, an apostle. Okay, and then he gets into who he's writing to. And notice here, instead of it saying to the church, which is in Galatia, he says to the churches of Galatia. Now, Galatia is a region, and there are a number of cities there. And he says to the churches of Galatia. So he's talking about multiple churches in the region there of Galatia, southern part of uh, the Roman uh, province there. And so he's writing to multiple churches here. And so they're going to have to get this letter around to the various churches or have some kind of a big gathering. But likely the letter will circulate uh, because they don't have the luxury of printing or copying. 
Now, this was written, uh, scholars believe, around 48 AD, so roughly 18 years after Jesus had uh, been raised from the dead and ascended to the Father. And so this is one of the uh, earlier letters. Uh, and, you know, you get to the book of Revelation and you're decades later and even some of the prison epistles and such. But this is one of the earlier writings here. And it's to the churches of Galatia. And here's what he says. Verse 3, grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. As I normally mention to you with these epistles, I don't think this is just a formality. I think that by the Holy Spirit, he is declaring grace. He is declaring peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, who gave himself, talking about the Lord Jesus, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I like that, who gave himself, because we always quote John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But on numerous occasions, it, it mentions in the New Testament that Jesus gave himself. In other words, he wasn't going against his will to obey the Father when the Father was sending him. No, no, Jesus was willing to come. He gave himself, and notice this, for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age. Well, folks, it wasn't only the people in Paul's day that were in an evil age. We are in an evil age today. There is so much perversity. There's so much violence. There is so much wickedness, foul language and talk and criticism and rhetoric and such going on, we are in an evil age. And if we don't watch it, we'll be contaminated. We'll be completely sucked into this. And we may think, well, I'm, I don't do things as bad as that person, not realizing, yeah, but you're, you're way out of bounds with Christian values and with the word of God. And so uh, Jesus gave himself that he might deliver us from this present evil age. That doesn't mean we're going to go to heaven when we die. No, he wants to deliver us here, separate us from the evil while we're still here on the earth. So he says that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God, uh, of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6, I marvel. Now, Paul is going to confront the Galatians, likely stronger than any of the other cities that he addresses, or people. So he says, I marvel, I marvel, I'm shocked, we would say it today, that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. He said, I'm shocked that you are listening to and giving yourself to a different gospel. Watch this. Which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel. So they're still preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it is a perverted, twisted, altered, compromised version of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 8, but even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Boy, this is strong language. Paul is saying, look, even if an angel showed up, and preach something different than what I have established with you, than the gospel that I gave to you. Let him, a human being or an angel, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. That's strong language. In other words, 
There is no substitute. I gave you the right gospel. I explained the gospel to you correctly. Do not let people add to it, change it, alter it from its original intent. So he says, let anybody be accursed like that. Verse 9, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. So there's, here's a repetition for emphasis. Verse 10, for do I now persuade men or God? <laughs> See, he's supposed to be persuading people in the ways of the Lord, but he's saying, but if we change the gospel, now I've got to persuade God that this is a good gospel. So he says, do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would be a bondservant of Christ. So we're here not to please people and to conform to people. No, we're here to please the Lord and to conform to the Lord. Let him be the one that gives us the truth, gives us the gospel, and then we please him. Verse 11, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. It's not according to man. Verse 12, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, I didn't just hear this version of the gospel through human beings. He's saying, no, I'm telling you, this was revelation that came to me through Jesus Christ. Now, remember, the Apostle Paul is a Pharisee, and not only a Pharisee, he said, I am a Pharisee of Pharisees, and I advanced beyond my own contemporaries. What is he saying? When I went through the schooling, the seminary and everything to become a Pharisee, I say seminary, but it wasn't called seminary. But when I went through the education to become a Pharisee, he said, I advanced. I was at the top of my class. We might say he was the valedictorian of the Pharisee uh, class. And so he said, uh, so he studied the word. Of course, the word at that time was what we now know as the Old Testament. But he knew this book. He knew the Bible, knew the scriptures. So when Jesus saved him, and by the Holy Spirit began to open his eyes, he received revelation. And I mean, the revelation was so enormous that you remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he said, lest I should be exalted above measure by the, the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Well, this is simply to whom much is given, much will be required. And so when the Lord shows you much, then... Uh, really the enemy is allowed to attack you at that level and you should be able to fend him off. Why? Because you've been given the insight, the revelation and such, to whom much is given, much will be required. So here Paul is saying, look, I did not get the gospel that I preached to you just from somebody just hoping Peter or James or John or somebody was right. No, he said, I'm telling you, I got this by revelation of Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus revealed these things to me. All this uh, Bible that I had studied and knew so well, he opened my eyes and revealed to me how it's all talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, the New Testament. And so he said, and I came to you and I laid this out. I brought this uh, very precise, revelatory teaching of the gospel that I received from Jesus himself. 
So he's just letting them know, you got the real deal. Verse 13, for you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. Verse 14, and I advanced in Judaism beyond my contemporaries, there it is, in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the tradition of my father. I was very zealous. I wasn't just going through the motions trying to get my degree in being a Pharisee. No, I was exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Verse 15, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Verse 17, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. Talking about Peter, James, John, and the other of the 12 or 11 without Judas. Uh, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. By the way, let me just say, uh, though Judas was no longer around, Matthias did indeed take Judas's place. And later on in the book of Acts, it talks about the 12, which means the Holy Spirit recognized Matthias. Some people doubt that, but it's clear that the Holy Spirit recognized Matthias because it didn't say the 11, it said the 12 in the book of Acts documented. So notice again here, he says, I didn't go up to Jerusalem when when the Lord revealed Jesus to me, his son, I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia. Arabia, well, you, as you know, um, Saudi Arabia is right there. The northern part of it is right there near the land of Israel and such. And so he says, I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. So exactly what part of Arabia he went to, we don't know. But that whole uh, Sinai Peninsula and Arabia, modern-day Saudi Arabia, is right down in that region. But he said, I didn't go to Jerusalem to let them disciple me in what they knew. He said, no, I went, I went to Arabia. I went out away from the people that would normally be the disciples and returned again to Damascus. Now, why is he making this case? He's making this case that he got it, if we could say it like this, without any disrespect. He's saying, I got this straight from the horse's mouth. I didn't get this secondhand. And of course, secondhand, <laughs> through the apostles of Jesus, this was amazing. Uh, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that all these believers continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And that was obviously a good thing. But Paul said, no, but Jesus taught these things to me directly. And you remember when Jesus discipled the 12, Peter, James, John, and such. These were fishermen and tax collectors. They had regular occupations. Paul, on the other hand, was a Pharisee. He was well studied in the scriptures beyond the normal Jewish young man. And so uh, the Lord had been preparing him from being a young man for this particular assignment. So he said, I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus back in the north where he had met the Lord. Verse 18, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. What is he saying? Yeah, I didn't stay there with him for him to teach me all this stuff. No, I was only with him 15 days, but I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. What does that mean? That means we're not talking about Peter, James, and John, the son of Zebedee. We're talking about James, 
who was the half-brother of Jesus. Half because Jesus was born of a virgin, not of Joseph and Mary, of just Mary by the Holy Spirit. But James, his brother, would have been born of Joseph and Mary. So this is the Lord's brother, and James, the Lord's brother, became a prominent, or it looks like the most prominent leader in the Jerusalem church. Peter being more of the apostle uh, at large, uh, very prominent, more prominent than James. But James took on a role that we would call more of a pastoral role for the church at Jerusalem. And so he said, I, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days, but I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed, before God, I do not lie, Afterward, I went into the region of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea. Judea is the southern part of Israel where Jerusalem is, which were in Christ. So he said nobody in Judea, where most of the believers were uh, around the Jerusalem area, he said most of those people didn't even know what I looked like. So they may have heard of me because I was the one that persecuted the church and now I'm saved. He said, but they, I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. Verse 23, but they were hearing only he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith, which he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God in me. Now he's going on with an explanation, but that's the end of the first chapter. And so we'll have to pick it up here tomorrow. But I think you can see that Paul is making a case to the Galatians and saying, look, I deliver to you a very important and precise gospel revelation that I got from Jesus himself of the scriptures and how this works in the New Testament. And he's saying, I didn't get this from a human being so that it's either secondhand or uh, it is not verifiable. He's saying, I'm telling you, Jesus <laughs> revealed this to me from the scripture. And so therefore, we need to stay with it. Well, when Paul's talking that dogmatically, what he's doing is just as he wrote about half of the books of the New Testament, he is saying, I'm telling you, the Spirit of God has given me these messages to lay this down accurately. And we have to believe him because of how much scripture he wrote. Uh, we can tell that the Holy Spirit was indeed leading him and giving him precise knowledge. So, as we're reading this, this book of Galatians, we need to hear this because every one of us have likely received a different gospel or variations that are not really part of the text of Scripture. And so we need to allow those to be stripped away and just come back and say, what does the Bible say? Whatever the Bible actually says, that's what God means to be the gospel. And whatever traditions have bled into this or been carried on throughout the ages, well, those are the things that are secondary. And they may or not be true, but we're going to stick to the Word of God. And so Paul's making that case. Well, praise the Lord. I'm glad you're with me in the Word for this new book. I'll see you tomorrow for chapter two. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. 
To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.